In this episode of Passion for Impact, it is round two with my very own brother, Mike Miltmore, CEO of River Song Guitars, an inventor, a pretty contagious, passionate kind of guy. So I'm excited to have this conversation with him. We're going to be talking about selling your product, three tips for sales and getting your team engaged. And the second one, I'll be talking about speaking for your cause, how to own your story, share your many sides, and truly get out there and talk, talk, talk about what it is you're doing and the passion and the impact that you are making. So get ready to make some notes and have a little fun. It's bro and sister time right here on Passion for Impact. Let's do it. This is the Passion for Impact podcast with speaker, trainer, and socially conscious advocate, Trisha Miltimore. Thank you for joining in. This is the Passion for Impact podcast, where we have one clear goal, to educate, empower, and elevate social consciousness in people, business, and teams. Passion for Impact is brought to you by Rock Your Leadership, a customized module-based leadership training program for social enterprise companies and leaders. We train impact leaders on how to grow success, drive change, and most importantly, not burn out. Visit www.passionigniter.ca forward slash rock your leadership for more details. Well, today's uh, podcast is an exciting one for me because we are here with round two of sister teasing. I get to bug my bro. He is back for another another round, part if you two. recall. Part two, yeah. You were here for episode yeah. – oh, do. Uh, you're just trying to speak French again. Uh, you were here for episode eight, and that was fun. We talked about a lot of different stuff. But, you know, for those of you who don't know, Mike Miltmore, my bro, he is a CEO of River Song Guitars, an inventor from birth, and a sales expert. In our Rock Your Leadership program, Mike facilitates the innovation module where he shares how to adapt ideas for the positive progress and tools to maintain your vision amongst the hard stuff of forging a path for success. He's super inspirational. He's back. So Mike, thanks for being here. Uh, you know, Trish, I, I'm glad you phoned me and I'm, uh, I am I listen to your podcast. Uh, there, I've said it. <laughs> you admitted to it. Uh, well, I'm, I'm always excited to chat with you because, you know, of course, it's always fun, at least, mm -hmm. at least I think so. But today I thought, and we were kind of talking about this quickly before, um, to focus on two things that I think are really important for impact leaders. And I know it's brought up a lot in this podcast, but I mean, without it, we really can't create success. And that is the whole um, kit and caboodle around selling. Right. And selling your product, your service, your idea, um, you know, in some cases, it's selling your passion and purpose when you're mm -hmm. infusing that into your business. So I would love to hear from you. And I know I'm kind of putting, putting you on the spot, but three tips. So think fast for selling your product. And I would like to share with everyone today, three tips for speaking for your cause. Isn't this going to be fun? Uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So or we're going to do one at a time, right? Oh, that sounds good. Okay. Okay. Like okay. So first off, my first tip for selling your product is to look at what you're doing and be sales centric, not logistics centric. Sometimes uh, oh. CEOs can get, uh, or, or just people can get uh, mired down in uh, the minutia of the details rather than try to look at the bigger picture. And uh, I try to, with our company, uh, be a sales-driven CEO where uh, you really need to um, 
get that revenue line going and uh, do whatever it takes uh, and sometimes be a little creative outside the box. Accountants and, and logistics people really uh, hate it. But, you know, if, if you're not pushing boundaries and, and, uh, and really trying to figure things out, you're not going to make any headway. So basically that if you're not making the revenue, then you don't have a company. Yeah, absolutely. Sales, in my opinion, is is number one. Um, you need to get your sales up so you have revenue, so you can pay people, so you can grow it, so you can do everything and to really be uh, sales driven. Okay. Oh, that's good. You know, you're pretty good for being put on the spot. I like that. I like that. <laughs> what's, your, what's your number one? Okay. So my number one for speaking for your cause, because this is um, where I see, or I work with a lot of people who are, ch- are finding it challenging to be able to talk about what they do. So it's that kind of a communication side, right? Mm-hmm. So my number one tip for this is to own your story and to own your story because it really is unique to you. And to own it, that means including your why. So, I mean, why are you doing this, right? What are you doing? Getting really clear on what you're doing. What are you offering? What is what are you? What is a solution you're providing? The hurt that you're solving, or however you want to define it. But just like what what is it, right? Being able to actually have that roll off your tongue is so important, especially when you're constantly meeting new people and trying to make forge a path, right? And then the third part of that whole own your story and being able to share it is uh, the pivot point of impact. I think this is the golden nugget that a lot of people forget about or miss out on. So I don't know about you, Mike, but I know for myself, there is moments in my in my business where uh, I realize that, oh, doing that made an impact. Mm. And sometimes it may not be what you actually set out to do in the beginning, but you yep. something somehow in, in the flow of your business, something, you know, tweaks a little bit and you're like, oh, that made impact. I had someone either told me or I saw it for myself and and a client or whatever the case may be for your company. And so that's the pivot point of impact. Don't ignore it. And that could be a golden nugget. So, and sharing that, like, you know, when I did this and I realized, well, this makes this impact. So being able to share your uh, why, what it is, and that pivot point of impact. And sometimes that requires a little digging, but uh, once you kind of get a hold of it, and it, you have many throughout your career and your your business, man, those those are powerful stories to be sharing, and that really helps people not only your team, but you know whether it's shareholders or maybe suppliers or the bank. I don't know. It helps people get on board with your cause. Mm, yep, absolutely. Can uh, you think of a pivot point for you? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, you know, I've had all sorts of different um, pivot points, and that was going to be my number two thing is that plans change. Uh, You know, always be on your uh, your feet looking at what's going on. And uh, sometimes you just need to uh, find new avenues. Uh, For example, um, I remember we had a a distributor, a very big distributor in Europe, and they would uh, give us huge orders. um, And it was just like drowning us with sales. uh, And then they would wait for uh, for three months. And it would take us a couple months to get their orders together. So it was always like feast and famine cycles going on and on and on. And while we were doing this, I thought, you know what? There's a way that we can fix some of this. And because uh, in the famine areas where you're not making any sales because you're relying on these big orders that are coming in, uh, what we developed was, um, or if you want to say pivot, what we what we came up with was um, a new lower cost guitar doing some innovative manufacturing techniques that hadn't been done in our industry. And we offered this to our distributors and we controlled 
the uh, the number of units we produce. So we were controlling the sales because we didn't want to just produce nothing but these inexpensive guitars, but we wanted to have things to fill in the valleys between our regular orders. Uh, and that was one thing that, that we did. And um, I call it my Marvin the Martian moment. Um, where <laughs> it, it's it, earth shattering kaboom, you know, like that guy. And uh, if you remember Trish, uh, when they would use a Acme dropper onto a little pill and his henchman would come up out of nothing off the conveyor belt. Do you remember that? Uh, no, no. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. It was Looney tunes and, uh, and he was the ultimate <laughs> innovator and manufacturer. And he would just drop one drop of water onto a pill and he would build whatever, like Wiley E. Coyote would do that kind of a thing too, right? And I thought, well, there must be a um, way that we can do this. So we developed a way of actually casting a guitar neck. And um, we would prep the fretboard and, and we would do things like uh, the truss rods inside. It was really complex and our process was crazy. But basically, once we mixed everything that we needed together, uh, carbon fiber, glass fibers, uh, urethanes, graphite, everything that went into this little pot, within three minutes and 80, uh, three, three minutes, three and three quarters minutes, sorry, um, we had to have this into the mold and into the pressure pot that we had to build, um, which was crazy in itself. And then 18 minutes later, we could pull out a neck that was finished, ready to, um, ready to, to be used. Hmm. That was an innovation that we created that we moved quickly on and, uh, really helped our company out. Wow. So this is something that I think is a value for people to, uh, have more information on. And this is something that's always baffled me about you is you are truly an inventor. I think that's one of your superpowers. <laughs> it's, and it, you know, you've been like that since, well, since you're, just a teeny weeny, like this is what you've always done. You've always tinkered and, and you know, who kind of reminds me of like Iron Man a little bit. I'm not calling you oh, Iron Man. I I'm like not, Iron Man. I got, not, when I, the first movie came out, I was so excited to go in my garage and just build stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never like made this connection before, but my, one of um, Kesla, uh, your niece is so yeah. into Marvel right now. And she has insisted I watch every single one. And I just watched Marvel Endgame, and I'm still pretty yeah. devastated. But anyways, okay, I don't want to do any spoilers for people. But so yeah, so okay, here's my question for you is how do you know at what point do you know that your idea of innovating or like, you know, changing your manufacturing process or and for people listening, maybe it's a process in your business somehow. How At what point do you know it's a good idea and you should run with it and put the resources and energy into it versus just an idea that is, I don't know, like, I think that's where a lot of people are challenged. Where do you put your energy? Like, how do you know? You you, you, um, you have a gut instinct. You got to listen to your gut. And, and you hear people mm -hmm. talking about that all the time. But, for example, um, I, I can talk guitars because that's what I really know. But, um, you know, we wanted to make the world's best guitar. Well, to make the world's best guitar, you have to have something that's different. Well, how what can we do to make it different? So it took six years trying to fix something of making things that sounded like banjos uh, before I actually came up with something that started to sound really good and then refine it even further to make it into what the actual invention is. And then once you have that, you have this greater kind of goal that you have is making a great playing, great feeling, great sounding guitar. And then in my, my case, I was looking at trying to figure out 
what was going to make a sellable line of guitars that made sense. So we really specialized on uh, domestic sustainable woods. And recently I'm really proud of, I, I don't even know if I've told you yet, but we've just started to sell our own uh, electronic pickup for guitars that was designed right from the ground up. And it's made actually in Vernon of all places, which is just an hour outside of uh, our factory. Uh, the, all the electronics are done and uh, I've developed new transducers for it. And it sounds so great. And it just further, further distances ourselves from our competition, but more importantly, gives us uh, that uh, whole package and I tend to look at things like that. And when I started working on my preamp to answer your question, Trish, it didn't make any sense. I was just spending a lot of money trying to develop something. And at mm -hmm. first I was breadboarding it. And then I got involved with uh, an engineer buddy of mine and uh, him and I uh, built a bunch of prototypes and, and like they were costing me like $600 a preamp, which is just insane. But my goal was to get something that was better and different that I could put into my guitars. And today we're almost ready to go into uh, a mass production on them and put them on all of our guitars that we built. For anyone who doesn't know, including myself, what does breadboarding mean? Uh, breadboarding. So when you design electronics, um, you get these little boards that you can poke the uh, components into and wire them up without soldering them all together. It's just a way of prototyping and experimenting. And I guess also I should mention to your point that you're asking about when do you know if it's a good idea or a bad idea. If it's too far out there, everybody's against it. Nobody can understand what it's all about uh, until it starts to get into the finish stages and until you bring out a product that sounds great and looks great and has all this, then, then everybody's on board. That's when you know you have a good product. Everybody that was the naysayers are like, yeah, I, th I was always on board with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's the crazy part is how do you maintain your energy and your focus amongst all the naysayers when they're just like, that makes no sense. You shouldn't invest your money in that. Or especially when you have people who've already invested in your company telling you that. How, how do you move forward when you're being told, nah? Uh, you know what? Uh, it's it's all about having your the right team around you. You need to have people that challenge you. Uh you need to have people that um, give you a little bit of pushback so that you can develop uh, how you talk about it. Because if you're just uh, surrounded by yes people, we'd be making rocket ships good to go to, to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> but really, um, I, I, I think that uh, you just have to stick to what your, your goals are. You're, you're running the company because you've got the vision. That's, that's, you're, you're steering the, the boat and setting the compass. And that's, uh, you got to listen to your gut. Now I've had a lot of really bad ideas, <laughs> a lot of really bad ideas. Um, and I'd probably say that, uh, I'm batting about 1% uh, for okay ideas, but that's what I like to do. I, I, I spend all my time thinking about how to do it. If, if we could make it better, you know, like what would we do? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So enough about you. My turn. Um, okay. The next tip I have for those who are looking to speak for their cause with a little more confidence and a little more oomph is this. Share your many sides. And this is the number one question I get. I have a program called Speak Plus. You probably know about that, Mike. Shameless plug. Yeah, I have a program <laughs> called Speak Plus where I work with um, those 
professionals like CEOs and professionals who just want to have a, a stronger sense of their communication and be able to speak up for what what they're doing and their cause and mm-hmm. their business. And so, but what I hear people saying is, well, who like how do I share who I am? Because they feel like it has to be all professional. And so I don't know if you play on LinkedIn. I, you do, I know. Um, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I think it's a great site for all kinds of networking and connecting. I, I'm an expert dog whisperer on LinkedIn. Dog whisperer? Oh, yeah. I can make well, You know I got my dog shaking a back paw. That, <laughs> that just, what I'm trying to say is I see where you're going with that and I understand. And you got to show your, your many sides and, and what oh. you're into. Oh, yeah. now it makes sense. That made no sense for a second there. I was like, well, I don't know what angle he's taking on this. And yeah. I'm going to talk uh, about it later, but I get that LinkedIn, now. You want to show more than just trying to be your professional side. You want to yeah. also show a little bit more about you so that, that people can understand where you're coming from. Ah, totally. Yeah. I'm so glad you get it. But I find that people are so resistant to do that because they think they have to, they have to show this force of who they are and it's only the professional side. But yeah, I love it. If you're a professional dog whisperer, you should definitely include that somewhere. And so let people know, let them see your many sides because that also helps them to understand your story and getting back to that first point for speaking for your cause, that why, what, and that pivot point of impact. So there you go. That's my second point. Share your many sides. This is your official permission that you can have more fun in life and you can do that for sure. Um, uh, you're on your third point or do you have you, more? One of the things I, I want to know, Trish is, uh, yeah. cause I, I've been obviously following you and working with you, uh, since high school when you were talking and doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you show what, what, how do you give, give an example of how you show your, uh, other sides? Like myself? Yeah. I, I know you've been starting to talk more about your family. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think it's a, a collection of things. So whatever is important to you, and this doesn't mean, I think with social media, a lot of times people feel this pressure that they have to share their stories and their reels and it has to be all personal. And it's, to me, it's gone like a bit off off the deep end, you know, right? Like you don't need to share things that make you uncomfortable about sharing them. It's just being really authentic and genuine and, and getting connected to your service. So my service is I love working with, and it's related to my work, but then I can share my personal sides of it, right? So working with people and professionals, again, helping them to speak up and and um, helping my kids do the same. So being able to integrate that. But I love so many things. I, I love books. So being able to, and that's a great place for people to start to share a book you're reading, a favorite quote, something that, you know, a movie you saw that inspired you and, or some of your challenges too. So you know, when I share my own challenges with work-life balance, because I have four kids and I'm working professional, I, I get comments from people like, yeah, you know, I'm that I definitely experienced that. I recently shared about being um, bullied, which I was uh, a lot. I was a little bit heavier and had big hair. <laughs> and you know, it's funny is that I was, sh- I shared this post. I don't know if you saw it or not, but it was talking about being bullied and, and how that really left a mark on my soul in many ways about feeling like inadequate or feeling judged. And I had quite a few comments of people saying this happens to them too. I mean, it's, it's something I think it's a common for many people, but it helps us to connect with each other. But what I'm trying to say is I shared the story about being bullied for my hair and my weight over the years when we were younger. And it brought me back to this memory. And I don't even know, maybe I mentioned this in episode eight or not, I'm not sure, but you actually stood up for me. This is, if I mention it in episode eight, I need to, I need to really think about stuff, but <laughs> you stood up for me. Uh, some kid asked me, does your sister ever wash her hair? And you said, yeah, she does. 
<laughs> That's all you said. But wow, I'll never. It was one of those moments in life. You're like, oh, he does love me. <laughs> he did. Well, she washes her hair like at least yeah. once. Yeah. <laughs> but Isn't you, you think, yeah, those little moments, right? He was like, oh, okay. Hmm. I got someone on my side. Are we going to hug now? Is this a hugging moment? Uh, That was a virtual hug you just got there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. So that's, you know, Trish, it's it's funny because I, uh, growing up, I never thought you were heavy. Um, Yeah, you had frizzy, crazy hair. uh, But um, that's funny. It's it's all your, your perspective sometimes too, isn't it? Did you know that I had someone try to start my hair on fire on a school bus once? Uh, I did not know that. And I, the only reason why I knew they were doing it because I heard laughing behind me and I smelled the burning hair. I think I could probably guess who it might have been even. I don't even know who it was, so I don't yeah. think you can guess. Well, but there, anyways. There's a few guys that <laughs> thought that was funny. I, what's, what's with people? But I know, that, right? That's, you know what? These things make you who you are today. I think if you didn't feel a little bit of trauma from that, you wouldn't be on a life uh journey trying to figure that out and trying to help other people. It is true. Marianne Williamson, I saw her speak once and no matter what you think about her, she did make this one comment that I thought was so true that our hurts allow us to have x-ray vision into other people's hurts. And, you know, that's pretty powerful. So when we're getting back to our point about speaking for your cause, point number two or tip number two is share your many sides is that when you share your challenges, you're allowing other people to feel inspired that that you got through it and and be that kind of light for them as well. So I think that's powerful. That's an excellent segue into my third part, which is around yourself with an amazing team and let them fail. Okay. Right. So uh, for instance, uh, if you, if you're always telling everybody exactly what to do, they will only ever do what you tell them to do. But if you want to say, Hey, listen, I want everybody around me to prosper. So let's uh, stop doing everything. I, and I did this uh, a couple of years ago uh, with our audiovisual company, which is a, a part of uh, where we, we, our guitar brand grew out of. Uh, and I thought, you know what? I want everybody to really prosper. And how am I going to make everybody prosper around me? I'm going to increase gross sales. Uh, and, and that meant getting more rental contracts for doing concerts, uh, uh, finding new clients, coming up with creative new ways. And I thought, you know, if we had a, a 1% uh, success rate in getting a new client, um, and if, if one new client represented $5,000 in business, um, if we just spent uh, first thing in the morning, 45 minutes where we didn't answer the phone. We didn't do anything other than just try to contact five people. That means that each one of us after 20 days of working a month would have one new client, one new $5,000 job per month. Um, And uh, it was a great exercise. We got uh, everybody involved and they came up with all sorts of amazing ideas, things I never even thought of. And um, we got some really cool events and clients that are now friends just out of uh, out of doing that. So by empowering people and allowing them to uh, also be creative and come up, uh, you can steer the ship and, and allow them to really uh, superpower it 
by uh, allowing them to fail. Sometimes people would, uh, some of our guys would phone, uh, you know, the school district and try to get some business. Not a lot of business came out of that, you know. So, uh, but you got to let, you got to try, and it, and mm. it's okay to fail. I think also important in there, and that's a, a really good story about in terms of selling your product or service or whatever it is, is that sometimes it's breaking it down to make it more manageable. So, you know, five, if you're a small company or maybe you're a solopreneur, five reach outs a day over a mm-hmm. week is 25, like you're doing the same kind of math that you did, right? So yep. it's, um, I that is so powerful because people, they get so overwhelmed when it comes to the sales side of things. And, and so when you were giving your people the room to kind of fail or create their own systems. Any tips on that to make it uh, empower them without managing or managing them? How do you balance uh, you know, that? We, we did. We had 45 minutes of no distractions and, and mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're busy. We had lots of things going on 45 minutes. The phone was ringing and, and we just said, you know what? The, the shop doesn't open till 10 o'clock. So from nine to nine 45, because everybody always went in to work at 8.30, 8 o'clock, that kind of thing. So we we put out the big fires that we had to put out first thing. But then from 9 to 9.45, it was just all about trying to come up with new business. Um, and and it, was, it was difficult and awkward for some. Um, some didn't really excel at it, but they had ideas. Um, and, and, you know, some of these things is, is like cold calling, you know, like, we had a, a video wall that, um, that you set up for, for doing uh, outdoor events. Um, and it wasn't being used very much, but it was a high rental piece that, that, we, that was profitable and good for us. Uh, one of our guys decided that he would look up every uh, festival that's going on in Western Canada and reach out to them and offer a, a video screen rental for, for their festivals and also offer the potential to have cameras and, and it just, he figured that uh, a lot of these smaller festivals would love to have something that they could use to sell advertising on, to help uh, recognize mm. their sponsors. Okay. Uh, and also to highlight uh, the message that they wanted to get out there. Um, and with a video screen, most people watch the video screen. If there's a live band in front of them, they're also glued to the screen. It's, it's the craziest thing. And he did that, and and man, that uh, that really worked, um, wow. and, and opened a lot of doors. Very cool. Okay, you got some good tips there. I like it. I like it. I got. I have yeah. one more. I have one more. Okay, yeah, so yeah it's your turn. You go. My three. turn. Say, my turn. Yeah, that was good. That's good stuff. So yeah. the third point for speaking for your cause, tips to do that with more confidence and umph is this. Know that you are a key that unlocks passion and purpose in others. So mm. this is a big thing. Here's what I hear all the time. I'm just a schmuck. I, you know, I grew this company and, you know, we're doing really well or I, you know, I'm selling these products, taking off whatever stage you're at in your business or as a professional, that sometimes you have a little part of you that's like, well, I mean, who am I to talk about this, right? Who am I to... Who am I to share? And the reality is that you, with all your experience, is so unique. Your experience is unique. Who you are as a person is unique. And your energy is unique as your fingerprint. And you're, that alchemy of all of those together, you just need, I, I try to infuse this so much in my clients. You have to have faith that you are a key 
for the for those who are watching, and it could be your team members, it could be um, fellow people in the industry, I don't know who, anyone, you're a key if it matches them and that unlocks their potential. They it, By someone watching you and feeling resonating with your energy, right? So someone listening right now might be super resonating with your energy, Mike, mm-hmm. and hearing you talk and your experience and just your whole package, this naturally that is you. It's not something you have to create. So it's naturally you. Uh, unlocks in them. They're like, well, if he can do it, maybe I can do it or unlocks potential possibility in some form. So have helping you, people to understand this is, is I think so powerful, so important. What's that? Have you ever noticed when somebody's talking about something that they love or that they, they, they that they just breathe and, and, and drink up as much information as they can, they light up. Mm, yeah. If you, you don't notice that, that's the same sort of thing that you're talking about is that, uh, uh, talk what you, it's talk about what you know what what you're passionate about and it, and it's just con- contagious really other people love that kind of energy i remember you telling me once that sales is all about being shameless <laughs> yeah, so, what do you mean by that it's a great show if anyone's watched it oh, shameless, talk, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> it makes me feel better about myself <laughs> uh, yeah so you know what if, if you're whatever you're doing there's not going to be a better brand ambassador than you are and you have to be shameless about it. Um, I won a Young Entrepreneur of the Year runner-up for Canada. And part of that was uh, McGill University did case study on my guitar company. And they invited me to go and uh, watch these students do these case studies of how River Song could become the next big guitar brand. And it, it, was, it was fantastic. And, and I absolutely said, yes, I'm coming out. I flew to Montreal and I think it was the first time they actually had an entrepreneur from the case study there. And, and there was like 600 students from all across Canada. And, um, we were doing this big uh, gala dinner and, uh, the, the, the guy that organized it, uh, George Dracopoulos said, uh, Hey Mike, listen, I, I know that you're, uh, you probably don't want to, to go and mingle. There's a mixer going on, but we'll just go and sit down in the other room and, and just hang out while they're mingling and then come back. I said, wait, all the students are in that room over there. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll just go over to this side. And I was like, no, no, I'll, I'll go in there. And I brought my two of my guitars, went straight out into the middle of the room and they recognized me from the case study. I opened up one of my guitars and I just started talking about guitars to everybody. And uh, that sticks out in my mind as one of the funnest, um, most interactive uh, things I've done. And it was just a, a group of 600 people that I didn't know anybody in. And uh, I was shameless. And we had a great gala dinner and uh, I gave a little speech and, and it was just, it was a lot of fun. You do have a lot of fun. It's like when we go to the trade shows, I can't keep up. I'm in bed. You're out <laughs> till three in the morning. It's ridiculous. Um, but that's part of your personality. And truly, it's part of your success as well, I would imagine, is that you're you're just such a natural networker. Now, not not everyone is a natural networker like yourself. Well, I mean, you're, you're at a whole different level. So how, what kind of tips for those who aren't necessarily, you know, I, you? I don't, I don't want to say that I'm a natural uh, networker because uh, there's a lot of times that I like just to hang out by the uh, the food table and just, just graze. Um, <laughs> and, and there, there's a joke about a, a guitar player. How do you make a guitar player turn down? You put sheet music in front of them. Uh, cause guitarists generally don't read sheet music. Um, I feel that if you want to make Mike Miltimore shut up, start talking sports. And I, I feel totally out of my comfort zone. 
and I, I feel weird about it because uh, I don't know anything about sports. But that being said, if I'm trying to network with a bunch of sportsy guys, like my like your husband Dominic, I I, uh, I have a hard time talking sports with Dominic. I just <laughs> don't know it. But if you're in somewhere where you're able to share what you're passionate about and you're you're talking, it's not really networking. It's just going out there and sharing your story. That that's part of being a CEO is is being able to tell the story and, and, and share the narrative of what your company is all about. Um, I used to uh, love going on elevators uh, because elevators literally are just short little rides. And I just like meeting people and, and I would practice um, going in there and just making small talk. And that uh, is, a, that is a sickness. That it, is just, that, that is strange. And you're weird. That, that part was weird, but it really helped me. <laughs> You know, if, no. if you're wanting to talk to somebody in an elevator, nobody wants to talk to you in an elevator. I know. That's what makes it such a superpower. My God, not, not everyone can do that. Most people just stand there. You're right. Yeah, they don't want to and, talk. And, but if you figure out some way of uh, breaking the ice or, or doing something <laughs> while you're in there, uh, it makes it a lot easier when you're out. Uh, now, mind you, awkwardly, I start to make jokes when I'm, when I'm feeling a little bit less confident. Uh, that's just my go-to. But, um, but you know what? I, I, th- I think being a networker, just how to network. And if you're feeling not comfortable networking, um, you know, just, just practice your, uh, your narrative of, of what you're about, what your company is about, uh, about some of the challenges that you're having. Uh, maybe there's community challenges, you know, oh man, once we get to start and meet people again, are we ever going to have a lot of stories to talk about with just, just COVID? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, you know what happened in my community? This is what happened. And to my business, this is what happened. And this is how we overcame that. Or we we changed our business so that we could still, instead of treading water, we decided to go after new business and, and grow business. And this is what we did instead of just waiting for it to be over. You know, like stories like that, pe- people really uh, like to talk about. I agree. I agree. And, it, and when I say it was weird and strange that you do have a bit of a, a skill set in that and you're so infectious when you're talking about the things you are passionate about. And so when others, if you're listening, to be able to own that yourself, again, getting back to that idea. My point number one, tip number one of speaking for your cause was own your story. So we're really getting clear on your story and being able to share it. And here's a tip for networking that serves me really well because I get a little uncomfortable in in groups like that. I, you know, I love to be on the stage, but put me in a room with a bunch of people and it's not my, definitely not my comfort zone, um, is that I'm not only sharing my story, but I'm there to collect stories. And that is, that was a game changer for me. So it took all the pressure off. I'm just there to collect everyone's stories. And that's truly connecting. Yeah. You're right. Let people talk. That, that helps too. People Mm -hmm. love to talk about what they're into. You know what else also really worked well for me? you know, we make guitar picks and I, I created this new guitar pick that's multi-layer, blah, blah, blah. I always have a handful of them in my pocket and you wouldn't believe how open people get when you give them a guitar pick or, or something, something that's kind of small value that, that you do with your company. It's a great way of, of talking and, and introducing yourself. Um, and I've gotten upgraded to first class. I've gotten into bars. I've all sorts of things. I I've, uh, those picks have helped me with. Nice. So, you know, I was actually talking to a client today. They sell shoes 
And so my thought, and I thought this was fun, was to bring foot bath, foot salts to potential clients. You know, it's easy and you can have them on hand. And yeah, so picks or find something that's of value to your potential client. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, when you started talking about shoes, I was thinking, you know, you could probably get um, some sort of clip that clips uh, shoelaces together so you don't have to tie them up. And it's just like you pull on them. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. So but many good that, ideas. You just do something and, and you can, it just, it just opens the, the, um, the dialogue to talk, even if it's a really dumb idea. You know, one of my go-tos, I know I'm long talking, but uh, one of my go-tos is, uh, you know, that our grandfather was an expert cowbeller, right? And our father learned how to bellow uh, at cows as you drive uh, past the pasture where the cows are. And one day I thought, you know, cows really don't um, understand what you're saying because of the Doppler effect. You know, when you hear like an ambulance driving by you, it goes, me, ma, me, ma, me, ma, me, ma, me. It goes down in pitch. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, maybe if you moo at a cow while you're driving past it, you need to bring your pitch up. So the Doppler pitch effect that drops it down, it sounds like a cow mooing, not just moo, right? It would be a moo. <laughs> Anyways, I did the math on that. I figured it all out. Sometimes when I'm in, in a, a room of strange people, I pull that out because it has nothing to do with anything other than it's it's a wacky, crazy story. And it's kind of fun, right? So not being afraid to share all sides of you and your fun side too. Yeah. And uh, and expert dog whispering. Yeah. I, I just... <laughs> And a side note is I didn't know that our grandfather or our father were, you know, really good cow. What, what did you call it? A bellow? Bellower. How many I, times have we been beside a, a cow pasture and, and dad's mood at cows? Yeah, now I think of it, he did, but I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I contacted, when I did that paper, I contacted the research station here in Kamloops the, mm-hmm. uh, that, that has cows and stuff. And I, uh, I tried to get some information on cow bellows and I ended up having to record my own. <laughs> wow. And they they thought so... I was like crazy. <laughs> I was just going to say that is so strange, but that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. No. So there's some great tips here for selling your product and being able to speak for your cause. Uh, here's, well, two more questions. The first one is what is the cutest thing I've ever done? That you've ever done? Yeah, I'm just you, curious. You want to know what I think the cutest thing that you've ever done is? Yes. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, I, you know, you've done all sorts of stuff that's been uh, kind of neat. I think probably the cutest thing that you've ever done, and this is just totally on the spot, is when you portrayed our family as the recycling family of the Okanagan. And <laughs> <laughs> and the news, CFG, uh, CHBC came and did a news story about how we recycle and how we do all this kind of stuff. And, and you were really into the environment. This, I think you were in grade seven. I was the president of the environment club. <laughs> That's and, why they used our house. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, and I just remember uh, playing along with that. And uh, I think I was pretty, that was pretty cute. Uh, and okay. you also made your own paper once by wrecking a blender. that was a science project not that anyone cares but i did a science project where you take newspaper you put it in a blender add some water and then when it's done you put it lay it flat and you've created new paper and i have to tell you to this day i don't understand why people were so 
inspired by that. <laughs> okay. I was putting in the spot. That was kind of fun. I didn't actually think you'd have an answer and I thought I would just carry on, but that's, that's really nice of you. Okay. So here's the final question. And I get this all the time in my coaching practice. And so maybe you can shine some light as well. And I got some thoughts too, but people ask me all the time, how do you know, or how do I know that I'm on the right path? How do you know you're on the right path, especially when there's a lot of hardship along the way? We talk about that a lot. But so how how do you how for yourself do you know you're on the right path? You know, I, I think if you don't question yourself if you're on the right path um, while you're on it, uh, you're 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 not seeing the full picture. Uh, being an entrepreneur, trying to create something that's different, trying to um, stand out. You know, I, I did a little exercise. I was like, do we stand out as a music store in Canada? No. Do we stand out as an AV company in Canada? No. Do we stand out as a guitar company in Canada? Yes. That's my path. Mm-hmm. Um, so I asked myself that, how, what do we do that makes us stand out? Um, and, and, you know, there's been a lot of times I, I almost quit building guitars uh, in December of 2011 because everything sounded like a banjo and uh, the best guitar I had built up to that point. Uh, I strung up and I was so deflated. Um, my wife, Monica actually said, Hey, what else do you think you can do? And I said, well, the last thing I think I can do, it's going to, I think it will probably destroy the guitar or it might sound really good. Uh, and I call it my Forrest Gump moment. And I went in on a Sunday and just, did what I, th- I thought might work and it exploded with sound. And, uh, sometimes when you're in those lulls, uh, it inspires you to try things and, and you really, it, it, you get a good, uh, outcome out of it like I did. And by that time, the next year we were selling hundreds of guitars with the new design. Um, but sometimes you just got to go with your uh, gut instincts and, uh, um, and just, just believe in what you're doing. Yeah, very true. The lowest part sometimes put the heat on to be more innovative and adaptive as well. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. That's actually really good. I don't know. I think it's, I don't even know if I should share mine because I feel like it's so boring compared to your example and story, but I'll share it anyways. Well, now this isn't, this is just a little tip that uh, this is how I gauge if I'm on the right path. And I share this with my people I work with as well, is to continually ask myself, is this driving me or is this draining me? And mm-hmm. this is the litmus test I use when I'm looking at new opportunities, you know, potential contracts or anything really in my life, whether it's personal or professional, I just simply ask myself and intuitively, you know, this is the, you know, that truth, Absolutely. does it drive me or does it drain me? And if it does, if it feels draining, I have to ask myself why. So yeah, drive or drain. And, um, as a litmus test in every aspect of your life, I think is important. Important. Wow. Yeah, I think that's a good one, Trish. I, I can understand if things are taxing and they seem harder than they should be. Uh, maybe, maybe it's because you're, you're you know how I think about it. Let me, let me put it this way. If you think of like a, a barge, okay. A mm-hmm. big, heavy barge. It's not very Aero, or, uh, I don't know what the word is. Water dynamic <laughs> is not very um, good. If you want it to go faster, you don't just keep putting bigger and bigger engines on the back end. 
because you'll just spin around in the front and all you'll be doing is doing circles. Um, you, you need, you can't push things too hard. And if you push things too hard, that's when it becomes draining because you're not going where you want to go. Um, mm -hmm. So for me, I, I can, I can really relate to that. It's uh, if, if you're driving or if you're draining. Yeah, that's a good one, Trish. I like it. All right, go on. I'm good. I, you, I'll send you an invoice for that later on, that little <laughs> session we just had, okay? Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, Mike, I, I really appreciate you being here. We always have fun when we get to chat, maybe in another eight episodes or, again or so, maybe we can do it again. Um, but if anyone has any, you know, listeners have any questions or, you know, we could do a Q and a one time, that would be fun. Be a fun. Q yeah. and a, so you can reach out to your network. I'll reach out to mine. Collectively, we can reach out through the uh, podcast network. And if you have questions that Mike or Trish can answer Q and a with Mike and Trish, I don't even know what that means, but we, that'd be fun. Let's do that. Yeah. So I'll put it out there as well. So that's going to be but episode yeah, number 24. Number 24. Oh, actually, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little farther past that. So it's, oh, I, knew that. Farther ahead. I know I, I didn't do the math very good. Anyways. Okay. Thank you so much for being here, Mike. I know you're a busy guy, so I do appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out with your sister and uh, we'll catch you. We'll catch you on the next one. Okay, Trish. Thank you. Passion for impact is sponsored by the inspire store. Need a gift that inspires inspire store features exclusive ethically made goods and jewelry that embodies these three words. Yes, you can. Every purchase supports Food Banks Canada. Plus, you will receive Trisha Miltimore's popular personal development Shift Up e-course. Empowerment awaits you. Shop with impact at inspirestore.org. Hey, if you love learning how to live and lead in a caring and fulfilling way, and you find this show inspiring, please share with your friends, rate and review this podcast. Passion for Impact is brought to you by Rock Your Leadership, a customized module-based leadership training program for social enterprise companies and leaders. We train impact leaders on how to grow success, drive change, and not burn out. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash rockyourleadership for more details. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Passion for Impact podcast. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe for episode notes, links and special offers from show guests. Cast your vote. Make your impact. One socially conscious choice at a time.